cliffcentral.com. Do indeed, the seasons do change. We're heading towards autumn here in South Africa, and boy, are we feeling it already. It's quite getting, it's getting very nippy here in the mornings. Future Island Seasons, that's our opening track today. So, great weekend of rugby, wasn't it? Um, for the first time in quite a while, I actually watched a whole bunch of live sport over the weekend. I was house-sitting a friend's house, uh, running a dog and looking after cats. It was quite something. But I watched a whole bunch of Super Rugby. And um, maybe one of the worst weekends uh, as far as watching the local games. They weren't great. Wow. <laughs> Some pretty interesting results that I'll get to in a second. But uh, Six Nations, that came to a close. And um, I'm not sure if you were disappointed or you were excited about the fact that England didn't set a whole new world record. A part of me kind of felt a bit sad. Um uh, I think mostly that the sadness was because I like to see great things in sport and um, a part of me was happy because it would be great to see my team, the team I support, get to that whole 19 mark. But the chances of the Springboks ever getting to 19 is, well, it's slim. It's slimmer than Mo Farrell during training. Um, so that part of me then going back to being sad for England because I think they did a lot to get to that point and uh, it wasn't to be. But yeah, that was some of the highlights. There was obviously lots of football. There was some great golf action as well. And then test cricket, three test matches, one of them still going. Uh, two of them ended in pretty good results. So it was a really, really great weekend of sport, which I'll recap on with you shortly. Uh, yeah, Roger Federer even won again. I mean, we just thought that the Australian Open was that final dig and now he's kind of gone. Well, there's still some life in the old dog, huh? These mid-30-year-old sports stars, they just don't know ever when to go away. And it's great to see today we're also talking shaving yeah i know it doesn't uh, sound like the most easy thing to go to from rugby but remember i did tell you start of the year we're going to do some little different things here so i'm chatting to john willem from the shave union now another interesting thing about this is that um you know it's interesting to know how guys start online businesses so people have really good ideas but you know do they do they follow through on them so john started with um a partner uh, something called the Shave Union, and it's kind of revolutionising how we look at, you know, extracting hair from from our faces. Uh, it is something that we battle with men and, and women too. I mean, we all shave a hell of a lot, and it's one of those kind of things that's part of a whole lifestyle we need to look at. So that will be towards the latter stage of the show. I have a nice chat with him, and then um, we're going to talk rugby and opinions. Something happened over the weekend on social media. And yeah, I don't get too involved in this kind of stuff anymore because a lot of the time it's just a waste of effort. And, um, well, arguing you either got to be patient or you got to be at, uh, really, really mad. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so I'm very indifferent towards it. But um, I'm all for people trying to further the industry, trying to further things, do something different, get opinions out there, get conversations happening. So right or wrong, if people are doing that, then they're okay in my book. It's when people sit in the fence and just throw just 
bile at them. You know, there's nothing, nothing constructive, nothing interesting. And that's, we, we've got to like get a hold of this. You know, it's one thing if it happens in politics and other things in life where you kind of expect it, but we should be better in sports. Should we not? We should be better as people, as better as fans and better as just better to each other, I think. So I'm going to touch on that. And, um, well, who knows? I, I might get quite. <laughs> quite angry uh we'll see how it goes because like anything like in the show you know i turn on the microphone you listen we're in this together for an hour thank you for joining me on the bounce show we are all latter stages the 20th of march today 20th of march 2017 what a great sporting year it has been um yeah so that's pretty much what the show is going to be if none of those things interest you well maybe next week's a better week for you but if you are interested then stay with me because we didn't get into it i was listening to stan Wawrinka emotionally talk about his feelings after just losing to Roger Federer at uh, Indian Wells of the weekend. I'm sorry, I'm just uh, tired after 10 days, so sorry. I would like to... I would like to congratulate Roger. He's laughing, he's an asshole, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, I lost some, uh, I lost some tough one against you, but uh, when you played the final in Australia, I was still your biggest fan, so congrats for you come back and congrats for today. Of course, congrats to, to your team, to your family, everybody who's uh, around you since many years. Uh, uh, anybody who loves tennis loves to watch you, so it's uh, always good to see you back at that level and uh, hopefully for many years. Yeah, good on you, Roger Federer. What a good guy, huh? And you can see everyone else respects him as much as the fans love him. Thanks, uh, my team. Uh, my yeah, team okay, so look, sir, no one cares about your team. So good on Roger. So when he won the Aussie Open uh, in January, I think we are January, it was like, wow, this is amazing. But after here, he's going to be so poked. There's no way he can pick himself up again. But there he is. We're going towards the majors again, March, April, May. Uh, we get French Open, then we get Wimbledon. And if Roger's going to, I mean, obviously he's going to manage his career brilliantly from here because the guy knows what he's doing. It'd be great to see just another go. Huh? You know, he's got 18 Grand Slam titles, the most of any men. Um, so he's, I think there's four more. It's, it goes 18 uh, Federer, then it's 14 Sampras and Nadal, joint second. So if Roger can get one more into that, fantastic. Good on him. Great guy. Tremendous, tremendous champion. So over the weekend, as I said, it was a big rugby weekend, right? But let's just get some stories off the field before we get onto it. The Cheetahs looked like they might be axed from Super Rugby. Now, all of last week, there was big talk around the Super Rugby coming back to its senses as far as going back to fewer teams, uh, round-robins tournaments, um, you know, just basically decluttering with the crap heap that is Super Rugby. I know this week I said to you, we're going to look more into rugby when we get closer towards uh, getting to a point of, of um, assessing what's been happening. So it's been four rounds so far, right? So we can now finally look at the log. But I was looking at the log while I was trying to prepare for the show this morning. I was like, how do, how do I discuss this in like two minutes to try and make it relevant for you? It is such a shit show. And I think this is ultimately where everything is going. So the cheetahs could be one of those casualties. Now they're looking to get three teams out. And obviously there's conflicting reports. Some are saying there's going to be two teams that are going to be axed. Some are saying it's going to be three teams that's going to go back to being super 15, you know, that, that whole thing. 
Um, so if the cheetahs do get axed, people are saying, oh, you know, you can't do this because the cheetahs are a breadbasket of rugby, all this kind of stuff, and it will ruin the union, blah, blah, blah. But we've got to realize that the time for sentimental reasons and purposes and um, all that kind of heartfelt stuff, I mean, those, those days died long ago with amateur rugby. No one gives a toss about the fact that, oh, it'll be so bad for the region. It's all economics. It all makes perfect sense that if you're not performing, you're not making any money, and it's just not bringing crowds and all that kind of stuff, then what is the point, you know? People are saying, oh, well, if you're going to downsize, then just make um, the bulls and the lions merge because geographically they're so close to each other. Yeah, I, sure, get that. That's one argument. But also the other argument is that standalone unions, they seem to be doing all right. And um, if they get in, if they've got their house in order and they've still got people coming to the games, although nobody goes to Loftus anymore, um, if they've still got things together on the balance sheet, then they deserved to have a union by themselves. So the cheaters and the kings look set to be axed. Um, and if that were to happen, you know, it's obviously it's a huge, huge loss for the cheaters. But it looks like Sanzar will give them two years payout. So you know, there's like there's a contract in place, right? That basically um, they were going to persevere with this whole super 18 malarkey until it, ugh, i forget it's like don't worry, exactly two, two more years after this so if the cheers do get cut then they do stand to get money at least so they will be paid out they'll get around sort of and that's 28 to 33 million rand around there somewhere along the lines um which obviously is, is a scan constellation for losing the ability to have a super rugby team um, that's kind of all that really matters. But will it be such a loss if we were to lose the Cheetahs and the Kings and Super Opie forges ahead with the Stormers, the Sharks, um, the Lions and the Bulls? I don't know. Like I, I don't see it as a massive loss because as much as it's great to have Super Rugby in your area, I mean, a few thousand people might get a bit angry because they love going to the stadiums. But it's a few thousand in the greater scheme of things. This tournament actually having relevance again and being something that people care about again. I say sometimes you got to make the chop, huh? It's, it's not a real big thing. There's a lot of rocket science going into this. Make the chop, make it interesting. And then suddenly we've got a lot of a lot of players that can then go and strengthen those other teams. People keep talking about the player exits up north. Well, you know, there's less players. Um, sorry, with all these all these different teams, obviously there's going to be less talent spread around. Take two of the teams away, we get more talent in those teams. But what I would, would like to do, and I'm just um, trying to consider which the best guest will be for all this conversation, is that maybe we should just say screw it to this whole Sansar thing. You know, last week Andrew Mertens was going on about the fact that New Zealand doesn't need South Africa anymore, or that sure as hell don't need Argentina because the time zones in place are just ridiculous to play rugby against them. So maybe it's what time we go, okay, cool, you guys have your Australasian kind of thing, you can partner up with the South Pacific, those other islands, the ones that you've been stealing talent from for all these years, and go buddy up with them and give them some money. And uh, of course, continue to develop Japan. Great, have that. How about South Africa goes and just does the whole European thing? We're looking at time zones here. We just go straight up. Sure, it's a 10-hour flight, whatever it may be. Um, but then that could actually be the way forward. There's lots of money involved there. Um, if our players are going to be going up north, well, maybe they'll stay here because we've got kind of you know the same sort of rugby structures in place. It would be really nice to think that we can think outside of the box in this. Highly doubtful though, when you consider who's in charge of SA rugby. But hey, that's a different conversation for a different day. Let's quickly look into the into the results on the weekend. And uh, the Crusaders, again, they've become so close. I mean, we know they're slow starters historically, right? Uh, first match, okay, win against the Brumbies. But then they look down and out against the teams from there. But they've been clawing their way back. Great win against the Highlanders. And now an even better one against the Blues. The Blues came out and they were just hitting their straps and scoring amazing tries. Crusaders, though, second half absolutely blew the blew the blues away. 
Try to say that 10 times. Uh, Crusaders 33-24, they'll end up winning there. The Chiefs, obviously, they were going to rest a few players for a game against the Rebels, a team that's been hammered so far in this tournament, and they end up winning 27-14. Uh, Scoreline, which kind of got away from the Rebels towards the end. It was much tighter than that for much of the game. The Bulls, they were in action again at home, and uh, unfortunately, the red card pretty uh, halfway through the, the match. Uh, Botma got sent off for a head-high tackle, but they held on to beat the Sunwolves 34-21. Hurricanes, well, the Highlanders were no match for them at all. Hurricanes winning that one 41-15. The Waratahs, well, they continue to be such a disappointing side. Uh, there was a lot, a lot of hopes on them, I guess, as an Aussie team going forward. They got hammered in SA, two big losses there, and then the Brumbies took them to pieces. Uh, Brumbies lost a man to the bin early on in the game, but still, they just got absolutely slaughtered there. 28-12, one team in it. And then, speaking of which, the Lions, well, they were the only team in that one, really. 44-14, James Slipper, the captain, out for a very long time. It seems to be ruptured in Achilles. Uh, Quake Cooper got given a red card, uh, half-time. Yeah, it's just not good for the Reds. So, 44-14. Courtney scores I think he scored four tries in that one. Very, very good effort. Then, probably the most... Jeez, this, this game, I don't know how to describe this. The Sharks obviously we're going to rest a few players against the Kings right the Sharks have had a great start to the season probably looked the best of the SA teams but it took a 71st minute penalty from halfway with the wind behind from Cohen Bosch to try and actually get ahead of the Kings here 19-17 the Kings had a penalty which they might have done more with strategically the Kings had a penalty to win this match okay and I just put that in perspective the Kings are not good we all know this I mean the Stormers beat them by about 35 points um, the, the round before this they weren't even playing that well. The Kings had to give everything they had towards the end there to beat these guys for two points. That's what I always worry about SA Rugby. It's the depth. It's also just the mindset towards these things. Like, they take the foot off the gas so quickly, and they've got to get better with this. And then finally, the Jaguars, they beat the, the Cheetahs 41-14. And that team looks bloody good when they get going. Um, ball in hand, that Jaguars side is very, very exciting. And again, if they get the discipline right, who knows where this goes. So then to put this all together into what the log is looking like right now, um, again, like I was saying, it's a very difficult thing to kind of try to condense for you. But if we go look at the overall log currently, the Chiefs are on top, right? They're in New Zealand Conference 1. They've got 19 points, looking bloody good. Then we've got the Jaguars. They're on 14 points, but they're Africa Conference 2. They're top that, so therefore they're there. Stormers are in third. They've got 13 points. Africa Conference 1, so they third position right now, 13 points. Fourth, we've got the Brumbies. Australia Conference won, so they're on 10 points. Then we've got fifth position, that should be second position, is Crusaders on 16. Then Hurricanes in sixth, which should be third. Oh, see, I mean, I'm losing interest already. <laughs> I know how this thing works, right? You win your conference, you get in the top three, blah, 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 blah. But it's just so difficult to kind of look at. All I will take out of this is that the Jaguars are looking really good. And the Lions are going to be hard-pressed, I think, to... um you know, to really kind of edge us away. They, of course, sent the weakened team to Argentina again. And if they are, if the Chagawaras stay this dominant at home and they can somehow get the discipline together at away, well, you know, we always thought it would be a foregone conclusion. The Lions would top that, that's, that pool, that their, their conference and then ultimately get at the top of the overall conference. Well, with the Sharks doing what they're doing as well. Let's forget about the Kings game. That is a very hotly contested conference is Africa 2. Africa 1, of course, is just the Stormers, the Cheetahs, Bulls, and Sunwolves. So just the Stormers, really. Um, yeah, so we'll look into that more in depth when we've got more games and more ammo to work on. Uh, yeah, to look at the, the rugby, the Six Nations, obviously there was that 128 minute match, uh, from kickoff to the final whistle, 128 minutes. That's what it took 
Wales and France. France eventually winning that one. 20 points to 18. 100 minutes on the clock when that conversion went over. A bit of a farce. And then 13-19, Ireland beat England. It was a bit sad, but, you know, Ireland gets you into a bit of an arm wrestle. And then that was it. Just all dunzos there. So maybe a fair reflection. Fair to say, England might not be better than the All Blacks. So to get them for 19 wins, maybe it's just better they both stay on 18. In football news, Arsenal have gone from... Shit to even shitter. There's no other way to describe it because from bad to worse was about six months ago. So we just keep digging and digging the barrel. I choose not to have an Arsenal fan TV um, sort of suggestion here of what's going on. But Henry Winter, this is a guy whose opinion I do respect, at Henry Winter on Twitter, he had this to say about Arsenal's current plight and Arsene Wenger, of course. Oh, man, that always pisses me off when that happens. I had this clip played. It was all... It was all Queued up and ready for you. Really good clip. And then the audio times out. Oh, here we go. Since I got it back. A lot of people w- would agree with, certainly when watching the players and how they performed yesterday. Is he responsible for allowing, would you say, Henry, the blame culture to develop? Well, he's been there 21 years, so these are his players. It's not as if he's inherited someone else's players and he's trying to sort of instill discipline into them. You could see yesterday, you could see it in uh, you know, Lee Dixon's tweets, you know, when he was saying, what is going on? In, in that defence. Everyone knows, you've seen it this season and previous seasons, how Craig Dawson attacks corners. And no one was picking him up. And it was embarrassing, the fact that three of them, when Dawson got his second, three Westbourne players could have had it. You know, it's, it's very sad with Wenger. And we're now, we're definitely moving into to the end game. When he arrived 21 years ago, there was curiosity. Then there was admiration with the Invincibles team, double winning team. Right? And then there's being sort of frustration, the fact, from Arsenal's perspective, the fact that he's been overtaken by other managers who are more visionary, who rotate their uh, coaches around them to, to keep them fresh. But the most worrying stage of the, the, the Wenger endgame is that now the emotion is pity. And you can see pity in supporters, former players who've always sort of backed him, Thierry Henry, people like that. There is pity for Wenger. And when you're having a manager, distinguished manager, who's being pitted, there's only a matter of time. And it's all down now to Stan Kroenke to mm-hmm. actually appreciate this is his club. He's got to take direction of it and put Wenger out of his misery. Wow. That's pretty succinct towards what's going on here. It is now pity towards a guy who's had a proud legacy. And you can't go losing to West Brom 3-1. One of the Arsenal fan TV people did say, you know, we're losing to the bad teams 3-1. we lose losing to the good teams 5-1, 5-0. So it, it, it's just such a non-event anymore. I, I think whether he's the right man or not, that's not even a discussion anymore. The thing is, these are all his players, like, like Henry pointed out here. It's not like he can be blaming other people. Everything he's got here is his doing. So when it doesn't work, it's his fault. Uh, yeah, it is sad. So Arsenal down to sixth. Uh, Chelsea still 10 points clear. They're, they're a good win over the weekend. And Spurs, even without Harry Kane, they're still holding firm too. They had a win and they are second place right now. There was a Champions League draw of the week, of the weekend, Friday. Sorry, a bit of indigestion. Uh, Friday. <laughs> so to go through those, um, you know, obviously we were saying like, you know, can Leicester keep this going? Can they get a favorable draw? But once you get to the quarterfinals, I mean, everyone's pretty bloody good, isn't it? So Leicester will take on Atletico. That'll be 12th of April. Bayern will take on Real Madrid again in the knockouts. So that'll be 12th of April. The day before that, Juventus will take on Barcelona and Dortmund will take on Monaco. Very exciting stuff. The Champions League's always, always great to watch. And um, it's been no different. If Leicester can keep the fairy tale going as England's only team in this stage of the Champions League, well, that'd be really great. This, this Shakespeare guy, I mean, they had another win on the weekend, which obviously helps them in their relegation battle. 
But it's amazing how a small change like that can just change the fortunes of the team. But also, I think it was just a wake-up call to all the players. You know, we've lost Ranieri. We've lost any remnants of the, the championship season. We now just got to pull our socks up and really just get shit done. In golf, it was uh, Mark Leishman who won the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. Uh, fantastic tournament that. Some really big names. Roy McIlroy back on the charge. Always so great to see him playing well. And especially with the Masters coming up. Ugh, I mean, I... I I love that dude's game, everything he brings to the sport. I think he's so good for it. And I think he inspires a whole bunch of other young guys who just want to be as powerful and as dynamic as him. And um, again, I just hate it when these really great golfers and all the performances are overshadowed by people asking stupid questions like, will Tiger play? No one cares. No one really cares anymore. We've got to be honest with ourselves on that. Let's move on. There's some really great golfers happening, really great golfers on the go at the moment. The Proteas won by eight wickets over the weekend against the Black Caps, which is an amazing result, seeing as they were 94 for six in their first innings with the bat. Um, it just marks, just shows what this team can do. You know, they do the basics right, and then Maharaj came to the party, more calls bowling well again. And of course, Bavuma and Akok had a really good stand, which kind of saved them. Which does bring me to a point um, today, or in a few minutes, I'm going to be talking rugby opinions um, and just opinions in sport in general. And uh, how I think we need to be less naive towards people having their say online. But something I found quite interesting is that um, uh, Mike shared this with me over t- on, on Twitter. It came out 18th of March, so this last weekend. This is Daryl Cullinan. Uh, Daryl Cullinan is mostly known as a bit of a doist. No one really likes him. But there's no doubting, even though he gets things really wrong sometimes, the guy does know cricket and he does know his stuff. So this is what he had to say over the weekend. He said, J.P. Dooney must be the longest free ride. Sorry, J.P. Dooney has got the longest free ride in the history of test cricket. After 44 test matches, the top order batsman, he averages 34. Doesn't suggest he's an all-rounder. Because he's not. In the last test match, two of his four wickets were freakish dismissals and was, was the num- and one was a number 11. It is time to look at some new talent in our domestic cricket, which I believe there's plenty. One sparkling knock is no longer good enough to keep his place, basically whenever we tour Australia. Um, sorry, that's me adding, that's not, that's not Daryl. This is what keeps, that's what he keeps getting away with. De Kock needs to give up the gloves. The time has come for now for him to move into the top four. I'll be very surprised if he wants to keep and bat a seven. He cannot establish records, big runs, and challenges are great from there as much as he can from, say, number three or four. At number seven, he'll run out of partners. From a team point of view, in the top four, he can influence the outcomes of matches single-handedly. Few can do that. Again, say what you want about Daryl Cullinan, but, I mean, I can't disagree with any of those sentiments there. I think spot on, Daryl. And, uh, look, Dumney's in the team because Abby DeVillers isn't playing anymore, right? The rest of that team's looking quite good. I know Stephen Cook's going through some bad form and he can quite easily be changed out, obviously. But Dumney being there and it points to it, Hey, these lucky wickets as, it, as an offspin is not going to count for anything. He averages 34 with the bat and he's in the top five. That's just not good enough when you are the, wanting to be the best team in the world. But the idea of De Kock going as an out and out batsman, geez, I'm, I'm all for it, huh? That guy is a special, special talent, so I'm all for that. Uh, other cricket news, Australia are still going against India. Uh, India have sort of got their mojo back here. Uh, Pajara with a beautiful double hundred, uh, even though Cody did fail. But now Australia, they're putting up a bit of a fight here. And uh, it looks like, uh, is today the last day? Yep, today's the last day, day five. So Australia got 4-5-1. India 6-0-3 for nine declared. And now they're on 143 for four. Uh, Hans- He's there on 40 not out, and then Sean Marsh, 36 not out. They've still got Maxwell. They've still got the tail. So what they're trying to do is basically bat this out. And India, of course, having quick wickets. Another test match, uh, Bangladesh beat Sri Lanka for the first time. Um, 
Sri Lanka is just going from bad to worse, it would seem. And this is in Colombo, so a bigger way of victory there for Bangladesh. They won by four wickets. People are saying that the Sri Lankans were very, very complacent, some of them rocking up to the ground half an hour before the game on uh, the final day there. And, uh, yeah, very interesting. Huh? Very interesting how Bangladesh, they can just keep knocking away here. Who knows? They could actually become something. It's been a long time coming, but they've now played 100 test matches, and they've now got the first win in Sri Lanka, which is another step in the right direction. That's pretty much it for all your sporting sort of recap from the weekend. I know there was other things in the go. There was some local football. Vits are out of the CAF Champions League. Uh, nothing too positive there. There were some pretty boring PSL results. Uh, so cricket's all done. Rugby, yep, Six Nations all came to a close. Unfortunately for England, didn't get the 19th game. But 18 and double back-to-back, sorry, back-to-back Six Nations Championships, that's pretty big. So getting on to something I want to chat to before we get into my Shave interview with uh, John Willem from the Shave Union is um, over the weekend, now I don't know if you, I don't know how in-depth you are towards rugby in this country as far as where you get rugby coverage from. But, you know, Supersport do a really good job. Uh, Sport 24, obviously, you know, the stuff's there on the minutes. You can get all your big stories there. You can basically always qualify stories by going to there. They're on the pulse, right? You get individual blogs. Uh, SA Rugby Magazine, of course, something that's... Um, it's still going as an actual tangible publication you can put in your hand. And they do a lot of good work online. Um, you know, Mark Keohane, I think, is a guy who's been around forever and ever. Again, he seems to be quite a polarizing uh, individual from time to time. My personal experience, I think he's hugely insightful. I've had some really good times with him where I feel I've learned a lot. Um, you know, some people don't like him. Ugh, if you're doing anything of, of note in this world, you get people who won't like you. Uh, so Ryan Freda, now he's a guy who also works for the Highbury Safika, um, stable there. And on SA Rugby of the weekend, he put out a little video about Jan Serfontein. So this is, let's just play the video for the first, get this going. Super Rugby, 90 seconds, let's go. Scouring through the Super Rugby teams this week, one name stuck me. Jan Serpentine. I have to admit I was deeply convicted by this because I was simply forgotten about this kid. He starts against the Sunwolves this weekend and anyone that knows this game can't really tell you whether he'll be spectacular or absolute rubbish. This is really telling and I don't know how a former junior world rugby player of the year gets to a point in his career where nobody is surprised by mediocrity and in the same breath nobody would be surprised if there was a dominant showing. This, remember, was the world's best under-20 player five years ago. Five years ago. Let that sink in. There are a number of factors for his stagnation, and I don't think temperament is one of them, because he was very, very good when he broke onto the test scene a couple of years ago. Coaching shortcomings are definitely a factor. Franz Lurica and Nolis Maria hardly men you want to entrust the best young players in the world to. A lack of high-quality, senior players from whom he can learn is another factor. But he can't be stripped of responsibility. He has to do whatever it takes to maximize his potential. Instead, his career trajectory has flatlined. And we're at the point now where we're in danger of seeing a player who should be a national treasure dying a very slow and public death. That Serfontein is not a national talking point for good reasons, week in and week out, is really distressing for me and should be for you too. We've become desensitized to stories like Serfontein's and that's a very dangerous place to be. The apathy around this is really dangerous. Stories like Serfontein's are far too common when they really should have no place in South African rugby. Pretty powerful, right? 
<laughs> from a rugby perspective, okay, just look at a couple of things. What Ryan had to say there, I, I, I can't fault that. We know, um, Jeepers, I actually haven't got enough time to read, pick out this video. Maybe I should do it in the blog post, but there is a lot going on there. And it's all true. I think it's brilliant. But of course, there's certain narratives that happen in sport. There's certain people that people don't like. And Ryan, unfortunately, seems to get a lot of um, adverse abuse here, a lot of negative sentiments. Um, Flip van der Merwe was the an Xbox was the first person to comment on this link, saying another reason why a lot of South African players choose to come play in Europe: less people who dress like clowns and think they have an opinion. Uh, I mean, firstly, whatever he's wearing, that's that that does not come into conversation. I, I like the jacket, actually, by the way. Um, having an opinion. Um, Flip, I don't know, I don't know how this works in your world, but players need to be scrutinized, right? Like anything else, you are there in the public eye and in the public spotlight here. Um, Ryan brings up some great points. This guy should be a national treasure, right? When coming through up through the ranks, this guy was so amazing. This guy was so incredible that when he came on the scene at the Bulls, people who love Vera Ulefia were like, yeah, well, cheers, Vera. I hope you have a great uh, retirement. They, they could not care about a guy who had been such an icon for them because they now had Jan Serfantin, this amazing, amazing kid. And everything about him was really great. Obviously, some injury, um, in, injuries have kind of delayed his, his, his progress to greatness. But Ryan makes some amazing points there. How is a talent like this going to go anywhere with sort of um, inexperienced coaches? You know, Ryan made a point a few weeks ago saying that Andre Pollard has to leave the Bulls. Basically, he's never going to go anywhere. He's not going to learn anything. His game is going to stagnate, and he'll just be another guy who could have been another talent. You know the kind of comments that Ryan would get from saying that? Bulls fans would be calling him a puss. They would be saying, oh, what do you know? You you know, you guys make stupid opinions, and you look like a clown in a video. But at some stage, you've got to look at all these different opinions that get thrown out there, right? And you've got to look at two sides. So as much as the people might not like Ryan, them, I don't like SA Rugby. They might hate the Storms because they think there's an unfair bias towards this publication and them and certain players. Whatever the case, you've got to actually look at what's being said here. There is a great argument being based here from Ryan's thoughts that here is a guy who should be incredible and all too often in this country we go oh he didn't work out you know ugh, quotas transformation government uh, coaching super rugby is too long there is a litany of shit excuses why people don't progress Ryan's putting some pretty good arguments together here and the fact that people can't deal with it it is so distressing it really is we all just get into these horrendously stupid echo chambers where the same issues are peddled over and over again. And let's, let's face it, SRP fans have become little bitches in the last couple of years just bitching about everything. They might feel justified for doing so because things are really not so great right now. I mean, Alistair Garcia's record alone is one of the most biggest bugbears of South Africans right now in sport. But when people are willing to put intelligent arguments on, on the table, they shouldn't be shut down. Even if you don't like what he's saying, consider it at the very least. Don't mock him about what he's wearing. This is just the most naive and childish display of crap I've seen in quite some time. The comments that I saw directed at Ryan over the weekend about this. The guy, just like a lot of people at SA Rugby Mag, are trying to push push this whole industry forward. Now, I have no allegiance whatsoever to SA Rugby Mag. I don't even think I've ever met Ryan before. I don't ever go to a lot of these press things. It's not my thing. But what they are doing, at least, is trying to push it out there. A 90-second video to give you something to talk about for the weekend? Brilliant. Well done, guys. That's how you use the medium. That is how you use social media to further rugby in this country and hopefully further insights of fans. When fans then piss all over it, 
It's a sad day for me. It really is. So, you know, get your head out of your ass. When you've got people who are putting the time and effort in, journalism is a dying art. Let's be honest. There isn't the money in it anymore. People are willing to rather have opinion pieces rather than actual um, reporting or actual journalism. So the fact this stuff still exists, you've got to applaud these guys. Shit all over them because they've dressed funny in your eyes. It is the biggest load of crap. And I lose a lot of respect for people who come out so vehemently and say, oh, this guy, he's just talking shit. His opinions are crap. He's a clown. On. How dare he say this? But you know what? All these golden boys who then become nothing, we've got to worry what is happening. And right now, Andre Pollard's form in Super Rugby is just something It kind of backs up what Ryan is saying. This is worrying. The coaches aren't there to help him get to the next level. There's no senior players around him. But what are these guys now going to do? How are they going to step up? If you watch the game over the weekend, Jan Ten had a good game. I tell you what, there'd be no happier people in South Africa right no happier person in South Africa right now than Ryan Freda. He watched that match, I'm pretty sure he looked at it and said, There we go. There's the talent I'm talking about. There's the talent we want to see. Great. Now let's make it happen all the time. Because he cares about rugby and he cares about having arguments that might fulfill something around, I don't know, progress. No, look, I'm I'm talking in circles here, but I think you get my point. Is that when people have opinions in rugby, don't just shut them down or sport or anything like that because they're different to you. You've got to hear what's being said out there. If you don't learn a single thing in this world, you will stagnate and become useless. And when we've got enough of those people, just watch Parliament Live. So that's what I'm saying. Respect opinions. I know it sounds hypocritical of me saying you must say this and you must do this and you must do this and respect this guy, but. Get your head out of your ass, all I'm saying. There's some great insights to be learned. Every single week, I learn something. I learn something from people I don't like. I learn something from people who are very different to me. I learn something from people who maybe I thought knew nothing about the game. But that's great. I'm all for it. I mean, if someone, if an eight-year-old child with a snotty nose were to teach me something about the rock and mall intricacies, I'm all for it. Let's have it. Let's get smarter. Let's stop being such naive little school, little school kids and bitching about things I'm worth bitching about. There we go. All the answers are out there. There's lots of clever people. Oh, oh, I think I'm coming down with some flea. I'm not sounding so great today. Anyway, enough with the sports. I told you we we're going to get into some other things. Um, and just to make sure that I had everything prepared for today, I've already pre-recorded this interview. It's with a guy called John Willem. Now, there's a company called The Shave Union. And what they're doing is they're just changing something that could be very mundane. So I thought it'd be interesting for you because we're also going to talk about setting up an online business and e-commerce, how it works in South Africa. So if you're thinking that you're tired of your current job and you want to kind of create something on the side, you've got some ideas and the ways you can kind of revolutionize an industry well maybe this can form some inspiration for you right so that's our rugby sports and all kinds of other things for this week uh, beginning of the year I remember i told you the show was going to change up a little bit so, you know i can't do sport flat out as great as it is and as much fun as i have with it we're going to bring in some other elements so today is a great example of that we're talking shaving now, if you're a man, if you're a woman, um, this is quite a broad topic and it's something that I've taken a big interest in, mostly because you know, I'm trying to look more of an adult nowadays. I know I've got quite a sort of casual life. I wake up in the dark. I get dressed in the dark. I do the morning show here on Cliff Central. Um, I don't have to be too client-facing all the time, so I'm quite casual. But one thing I will not stand for is a shabby, half-hearted beard. I, I took that stand as a resolution for 2017, so I'm clean-cut and I feel better for it. And um, Anyway, I suppose 
personal endeavor that I've taken. And um, so I wanted to talk shaving at some stage. So I thought it would be no better person to chat to about this than uh, John Willem from the Shave Union. Now, you might not have heard about the Shave Union just yet, but uh, two very sort of dynamic young guys have started a business where I think in many ways they're kind of changing the industry as far as we all know we have to shave, whether it be for a special occasion, whether it be for work. And shaving is not that pleasurable. People will always go out about the fact that, oh, you know, it's such a mission. That's why I use the clippers like once a month and it would be fine. But I still believe there's nothing better. And I've spoken to many women that will back me up on this. There's nothing better than a clean-cut, sophisticated man with a good, clean shave. Like James Bond, right? How many movies have you seen with James Bond where that guy's been, like, scraggly looking, like with a half half hast hipster beard? There's only one movie, and that's because Pierce Brosnan was in North Korea for three months getting his nipples le- electroded. So shaving is the way forward. And um, so I've got John here with me today. John, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. Now, John, we're going to get into your story a little bit, but I thought I'd just kind of give some perspective to the interview by you know, a little touch on the history of shaving. Uh, I found this quite interesting. Um, basically, the, the first ever shave, the first disposable razor that I've seen was back in 30,000 BC. Uh, the, the flint rock was quite sharp, but it became very blunt very quickly. So people would really make these things nice and sharp. They would then go at their horrible, manly... In- tick-infested beards. Um, but yeah, they, they would then throw them away because the rock would then become blunt. It was the Egyptians, though, those crafty Egyptians, they were the first ones to really be like put shaving on the map for hygienic reasons, um, aesthetic reasons, and it became kind of known. I mean, those guys were top to tail. I mean, John, I'm sorry, I'm going to bore you here, but I've, I've got to indulge the audience with a bit of history. They used to go top to toe. They were completely hairless. They were completely into that vibe. I mean, those guys, they were very, very fruity. Um, but they were the first people to kind of do away with beards for aesthetic purposes. It then became such a thing that if you were with beard, people kind of saw you as a more unsightly kind of individual. There was personal neglect going on. And it became quite a classist thing. Um, Alexander the Great then took shaving to the Greeks. He taught how the Greeks talked to the Greeks how to shave in 300 BC and they're a hairy race I mean let's be honest men and women there's some hair on the Mediterraneans there and um, then the Greeks became known for fighting with no beards because Alexander the Great believed that if you had a beard in battle you could be pulled on it it'll become quite a hindrance to you that's why that movie Troy they all had really nice short hairstyles and clean cut faces all because of Alexander the Great and um, barbarians taken from the word barber meaning beard so they, they really were the dirty guys <laughs> so history has suggested that we should be shaving we should be taking it a lot more seriously so John what kind of um, you know the, the way I wanted to have this interview is that you know you're actually a bit of an inspiration as far as creating a new business online now the fact that people can do this nowadays is great you're using shaving as your online business now what what sort of drew you to shaving initially I think we looked at uh, different products and things that we could offer uh, sort of value and you know, the irritation of going to the, stop, uh, to the shop and sort of buying your blades and having to look for them, find them, the ones that you want, the ones getting the right blades for the right handle. It was just a bit of a grudge purchase and then not to mention the price. Um, so we started to look around a bit in terms of what businesses we could get into and a uh, big, big sort of facet of, of my uh, entrepreneurship is, is around uh, uh, 
sort of annuity income businesses so that we can you know we want to we want to we want to get someone to join uh, sort of become a member and uh, have ongoing a relationship with a customer not just a once-off uh, purchase so we started looking around and uh, you know in, in the United States they launched a company about three years ago and currently that's uh, the subscription-based uh, shaving model now has got about six million people in the States um, which subscribe to to shaving and the benefit mainly comes in is that firstly it's delivered secondly it's uh, it's a great shave and, and thirdly what's probably most important to people is it's actually a lot cheaper than uh, than what you would do if you went and bought uh, your typical sort of mainstream stuff in the shops so we looked at that and we basically re-engineered the model in South Africa and we launched the shave union um, back in November 2016 so it's only about five months old but we're very lucky. We've got almost two, uh, what, two thousand customers now. Okay. Um, so we're doing really well, which is awesome. And it's just, it's obviously something that's quite prevalent for people. And they, you know, we we kind of looked at it just from white males and thinking, okay, well, you know, we don't know how the rest of the population shaves and the demographics and women shave. And you know, uh, so what we we kind of based a lot of our theories on that market segment. But now we see, which is wonderful, we've got such an eclectic group of of people on our on our uh, um, on our sort of membership thing, which is. Uh, which is great for us as a business. Now, I, I think I've got a theory here why people don't like shaving. Okay, and you touched on a few of the things there. Blades are pretty expensive, and um, I know if you go into stores, and I think nowadays if you go into like a clicks or kind of away from the supermarkets, you've got to go behind a counter, and the blades are kind of like snuck away there. You feel like a criminal. You feel a bit of a criminal, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I, I kind of th- thought about this theory a little bit more uh, while I was waiting for you today. Is that people don't like shaving because they get some of a grudge purchase. So they got to go into the shops and buy these things, right? They're very expensive. So it gets to the point where you're hanging on to the, your, your razors, and therefore you're thinking, I could probably push two, three more shaves out. And I mean, let's be honest, it's going back to those ancient times. If your blade's not really that great, it's not going to be very um, smooth. Yeah, it's going to pull, gonna, it's going to pull, pull, it's going to be pain, you're going to get uh, ingrown hairs and a whole bunch of things. So yeah. so definitely, I think the way we shave is, is uh, maybe as Africans, but I think the rest of the world as well, you're exactly right, is that people just get used to, you know, using that same blade until literally it's it's kind of cutting into your skin and you're pushing so hard. So, yeah, you know, or, we, or even worse, you, you then go, well, screw it, then I'll buy a whole bunch of disposables. Correct. I mean, I've, I remember when I first started shaving I went disposable routes and it was only more annoying than going oh god I cut myself again because then you look like an amateur right you're trying to look all manly the tissue like, paper of your neck and everything yeah. terrible yeah. so obviously now what you're saying is is that by having a, a really great product at a pretty affordable rate we can actually bypass that and be and be like adults about it shave with good razors yeah I think I think the whole hipster phase is, is definitely something I don't know whether it's going out uh, people still love growing their beards but I think you know either ex- the hipsters they have no idea <laughs> but I think it's an expression of whoever you are so, you know, you can be a hipster one day, but you can also shave the other. So, you know, I think that whatever happens, you know, when you go into a wedding, most people now uh, kind of like that clean shave and kind of look. And, and we're seeing more and more of it now, which is great. So, you know, uh, big up to the hipsters and stuff. But I think also big up to the to the guys who, who enjoy shaving, keeping clean. And also to the females. Like I said, you know, we're learning more about different markets. So it's not just for just not just for men. Uh, it's, you know, women are shaving a lot. And my wife, personally, she absolutely loves the, the, the shave and uh, all her friends and things. So we've got quite a nice group of, of females emails on board as well um, which is which is great but it's quite a cool thing that's you know it's finding things in, in common with people like you know um, we all like to laugh we all like to eat we all like to drink we all like to go away to places there's various things and shaving is one of those sort of middle middle road um, points we all can relate now, there's also there's like the whole fashion element now you must be learning that 
to a certain degree, some people might have shaving, obviously, for a function as it doesn't work. You, you got a nine to five with a tie and a stiff shirt and you got to be clean shaven. But, you know, there's the other angle of, you know, I want to have a certain goatee or I want to have certain sideburns like this. How do you guys, and I'm sure this has come up in, before you even launched, how do you look at sort of attracting uh, different markets or penetrating these different markets where shaving is so much more than just something you do once a day? Uh, you know, I think that's what we've kind of been learning through this process is is how, uh, and like I said in the beginning, is you know understanding everyone uh, from how people shave and different people, uh, you know, women, males, uh, black males, Indians, uh, coloreds. It, it's you know we've got such a great group of people in South Africa that you know it's it's something that we uh, we're trying to understand more about how people shave and everyone grows their beard differently. And and I think from from when we start to do a market penetration, um, you know, we we the uh, Facebook has been amazing. Um, I think that. Uh, if you know what you're doing in Facebook, and that's the key, is is that you know, Facebook is so, so much information on the demographics of the people. So you can be very, very specific in terms of the people that you focus on. Right. So, so we've tried different things with different target markets. And I must admit, sometimes we, we it's a hit and miss, but uh, I must admit we've been, we've been very uh, fortunate in terms of there's obviously a real need out there because we, we're growing exponentially, and, and that's a great sign. It's kind of cool. Like, but now you, you say social media has been a part of targeting this. I mean, online businesses and starting a business in, back in the day are very, very different. So what are the, some of the challenges that have been? Um, we'll start just outside of social media first. What are the sort of the, the basic challenges? Because in my understanding, online shopping hasn't really kicked off to the degree in South Africa yet that obviously you find internationally. Have there been some sort of boundaries that you've had to kind of deal with? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we, what we've seen, I mean, if you look at e-commerce in, in South Africa, it's probably sitting about 1%, but it's growing by, you know, almost 100% year in year, whereas like the UK and, and the US are sitting at about 18 to 20% of all purchases are done online. So for us, it's about getting the commitment from people and they're feeling comfortable with, with, uh, purchasing online. So our, big, our biggest challenge, I would say, is around the actual courier mechanism. You know, in America, you can, you order something, you can leave it on your neighbor's front door or someone yeah. else can sign for it. No one's going to steal it. Uh, whereas in South Africa, you've know, got these massive gated walls and, and things. So we have to use a courier service. Unfortunately, our post uh, post office uh, is non-existent. In so terms I'm guessing of that's eating your margin a bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I know the guys in, who do it in the UK, they they use the Royal Mail service. It costs them next to nothing. Post and pass. It's yeah, and white cash. 100%. Yeah. But Lisa gets delivered so, and not <laughs> stolen. So so I think that, uh, you know, th- that's definitely cuts into our margin. But again, we are we are aware of the fact that we, you know, rather we'd rather have more customers, make less margin. But then, you know, make sure that the package is delivered, uh, you know, on time and, and signed for and tracked. And that's what we've done. And as far as sourcing your product, I mean, it seems like quite a difficult thing you've got into. You are promising a premium product. Um, you know, again, margins considered. Where do you source the, the raises from? Um, what's your sort of plan? How did you get to this point? Did you... Did you trial and error a lot of products? Uh, hundreds of products. Uh, we we tried everything from cr- do, do you Korean. Have like, do you have like a shaver cabinet at home? Uh, pretty much. I've got. I've probably got about thirty different razors from around the world. Um, yeah. So, so we went through the thing. And, you know, again, it was it was price versus um, quality, and and we kept coming unstuck in terms of trying to find. You know, South Africa is a smaller market compared to to the US and and uh, the UK. So. 
whatever we offered people here, we didn't want a big churn rate in customers. We wanted them to love the shave, and it's got to be comparable comparable to what they're using now. So yeah, we went through a whole bunch of different blades and tested everything, and eventually we came up with uh, with a, a blade that's uh, a company that's been around since 19, I think 20, and and uh, it's based in Germany, and they designed uh, a fire blade razor, a number of other razors as well, but that was the one we wanted to go into uh, to the market with, and it was unbelievable quality, German engineered. It's it's got something called a gothic uh, gothic sort of edge cut to it, so I don't know what that means, but uh, look, it works really really well gets and <laughs> gets the job done. And and I must admit, the the Facebook reviews we've had from our customers, and we're sitting hundreds and hundreds of reviews. Well, not hundreds, but close to hundreds of reviews on on people and five star ratings on the product, which is great. That's amazing. So just touching on, on social media because you brought it up again there. Some people find that it's quite hit and miss. It's um, one of those things where if you're to sell a strategy to an upcoming brand and say, right, you must target Facebook, you must go on Instagram, you must do this and that. Have you had a lot of, again, trial and error around that to get to the point of where Facebook has been the best or did you just try that and it sort of just stuck for you? So, so remember, uh, Facebook owns Instagram. So they're kind of one and the same, It really, when you're looking at it from a marketing perspective. I think before a lot of the digital media agencies Used to look a lot at Google AdWords and things in order to get their product out, but you know this type of product is 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 quite clever because I think it's something uh, it is a great purchase and it is something that is is relevant to everyone's life some way or another. And I think that uh, social media is a great way of putting it in, in, into exactly that target market at that particular time, and it just gives us an opportunity then to uh, to engage with someone. Now, Facebook was quite clever because if the product is not relevant and people aren't clicking on it, they sort of supercharge you for that. So you're putting on irrelevant content. So so we're constantly watching what we're putting on and changing the campaign so that it becomes relevant and that it doesn't cost us a fortune to do. But that takes that takes a lot of work, and, and that's where my partner, Chris, is absolutely amazing. Nice. Okay. So um – Sorry, I just forgot what my next question was. It, it was a good one. Um, you were looking at me in the eyes, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so sparky, blue. and that hair, so full yeah. of body and bounce. Thanks. Um, so obviously, we look. I, I'm pretty sold. Most guys, you think shaving, you want to get it done. It's one of those things like deodorant. It's one of those things like um, aftershave. You know, the nice smart white shirt. There's a certain essentials that men have. Now. If you've got a good sort of network going here where you've, say, for instance, you, you mentioned 2,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. and that's just a base um, number you've given, is there now scope to say, right, we're pretty good at understanding what men want. We're pretty good at understanding what people get into. I know you spoke about obviously progressing towards women and diversifying your market like that. Mm. But is there also an opportunity to think, okay, well, well this product's kind of working nicely. Are we going to go into other men's products? Is it something that is at your stage of business is something you look at or is it very much down the line? Well, I think, I think right now for us, um, our focus is to, to get, uh, get as many, uh, happy members on board uh, as soon as possible. I think for us is once we've got that sort of critical mass, um, it allows us to then uh, to leverage a lot of other benefits because we're engaged with the customer we're offering something they're happy you know I think the big thing which I didn't mention earlier is around the, the scheduling of the shaving and stuff and that also takes out a, a, a big thing so you need to find a product that you can uh, that is a is a is something that's a grudge purchase in a way or something that you do on a regular basis so I suppose you could say like toothpaste for example or you know a number of things so I think that um, recurring based um, businesses in terms of an e-commerce business is definitely going to become more prevalent we've looked at a couple of different models there's some great ideas out 
there. But, you know, again, we got to do a bit of uh, analysis. It took us a year to get to, to the stage of just launching, uh, just finding out what was going to work and what wasn't. So, so again, we, we would go into it with, uh, with uh, you know, trying to find out as much information as possible and whether there really is a market. But I think it will grow no matter what. E-commerce is going to get – it's going to be massive. I think the biggest thing in, in, in uh, South Africa is going to actually be around the career systems. That's true. But then again, it's a trust issue, right? 100%. As soon yeah. as you know that you can say within three working days you're going to get your product, mm-hmm. the moment it goes to six or seven, it's like, well – Screw and, and because it's on social media, people are not afraid to go in there and, and just lambaste you if yeah. it's a day late. So, so you got to be very, very uh, uh, customer centric and, and answering the questions when they need it and stuff. And that's that's a big part of our business. Now, just talking about other part of your business because you're not just standing there and you got raises and you want customers. There's a lot more to it because you've got so many different distractions in life. You've got people selling products in the lifestyle sense nowadays. You've got people sharing experiences. You know, you've got established brands, you've got up and coming brands. How about content as far as you see a lot nowadays people are into storytelling and I know here being, being on Cliff Central we get brands coming through here all the time we get CEOs we get MDs mm. everyone's trying to tell a story because one of the most sort of untouched things in marketing that's left is pure honesty and engaging with people how important is that say in your marketing mix as far as penetrating markets and obviously retaining your all important clients yeah so I think the, the, you hit the nail on the head I think the story of, of why we did this was because we, we lived the we lived the, the problem and we just thought you know there's so much better way of doing this and you know I was sick and tired of paying 350 rand for, for a set of four blades and I just thought you know, there's got to be a better way and then we started researching and, and guys that are obviously like anything else has already started doing it in the, in the states and the UK and we just thought well we can do this and we can Offered to a South African market, and you know, we wanted to be. Uh, firstly, price was important. It had to be something that was well priced. It had to be delivered, and it had to be on the schedule that people wanted. And and I think from our perspective, we we wanted to be involved with a business that we felt that we were adding value. It mustn't be a grudge purchase. It must be. I'm part of it. I'm a member. I'm you know, I'm not just a subscriber. I'm an actual member of the Shave Union, and and it's fun to be there and you talk to your friends about it around a bry, and and it's something that adds value to your life, not a not a grudge thing. Sure. I mean, that's the story. That obviously, we've been talking. About, but as far as getting people engaged around the brand, the other stories you're looking to tell is, you know, what sort of content cues are you looking to kind of throw out there? You know, obviously, like you say, if you're going to be on social media, you can't just keep throwing ads out there because your click throughs are going to cost you, you know, a fortune out of the, out of the, out of the way. Um, you know, what's the other sort of strategy as far as getting people to really see Shave Union as a standout? So, so again, and I think it's an honest thing is, is around our content. Um, we've got a great writer. Um, and uh, but we're always looking at making things relevant. Uh, you know, if you become irrelevant and irritating, people are gonna get you're gonna get a bad reputation for that. So we try to keep up uh, with with what uh, what is relevant in, in the market. And you know, we didn't we've done some pretty cool articles on different things and shaving your legs as a cyclist and a couple of things. I suppose the question people ask questions around and uh, and it's nice. So it, it creates uh, just relevance from a from a point of view that it's not just we're just pumping a product out. It's it's very much engaging with a, a customer and 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 adding value. If you can. But it's also like to position yourself as an expert, right? Because ultimately, no matter what it is, I mean, I'm using you as an example today for shaving, but whether it be for sports drinks, whether it be for, I don't know, muscle enhancers, um, strapping for injuries, whatever, it's nice to kind of know that you can be trusted as an authority. I mean, that's obviously got to be one of the goals, right? Yeah, well, I think uh, from the start of the interview, I learned I learned more in the first uh, sort of five minutes of this interview than I have, I think, about shaving. So you taught me a lot about the, the history of it, which I obviously didn't 
know. But but again, we, we are. No one else is doing this. So I presume we could say that we would become uh, the thought leaders in this, which is where we'd want to be. But I, I, I couldn't comment that we are now. We're learning as we go through, and, and and I'll go back to that. You know, we're learning about the South African market. We we're great, uh, wonderful rainbow nation here. So everyone shaves differently, which is awesome. It's so true. It is. It, it makes for good stories. I mean, I'm I'm sensing a, a TV show, or at least a YouTube show here. You can get some pretty interesting guys sharing stories. I've got a face for radio. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be you. I mean, you, can, you can get a pretty a pretty dashing host to do these kind of things because everyone's got a story, and, and that's what I love about this because it's it's one of those things. Every guy's got to go through this, and the fact that women are getting more, I don't know what's the word, shave sensitive towards this kind of stuff. Mm. And I always kind of think that if you look at it, women have been targeted for shaving for longer than men in some ways. Of course, yeah. I think it's just that, and you know, the thing is, which we find also interesting is that I don't really think women care whether their handles pink anymore. You know, they they want, and we've got some great colors in our range, and and they don't care. They just they want a good, great, valued product. They know how to shave their legs, and you know, they just want to make sure they're not paying a fortune for it. And I think that uh, you know that's why we're actually getting so many women on our on our site, which we never took into account initially. It's so interesting, huh? But again, it's a, it's a thing. Shaving is something we do, and like everything else nowadays, we can enjoy it. Mm. You get cool products. You get into a line of thinking where it's not just something you got to do; it's something you can actually really enjoy. John, um, I, I I would be lying if I said I had more shaving questions. Like I, I'm I'm pretty sold. You know, I'm not one of those guys that needs to be kind of converted here. Um, it, it is something that's really cool, and I got to say, it's, it takes balls to do something like this because you know I, I take it this is something you you started kind of on the side with a partner. Yeah, so so look, I'm I'm not operationally involved. Uh, I'm more from a strategic point of view. But uh, you know, we've got a great operational manager. Her name is Tony, and and Chris, who who heads up our uh, all our online marketing and and uh, sort of social media and uh, and basically our uh, you know digital marketing space. So we've got a great team of people. But yeah, so it's something that we saw of value, and we 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 realized that um, we we could do this. So we found an investor, and uh, and they came aboard, gave us some money to do it, and uh, off we went. And and it's great. Because it's, it's exceeded our wildest expectations, and it's just growing from strength to strength. Well, that's so cool. I, I wish you only were the best with this because it, it does take balls to do something that's kind of decent. <laughs> and uh, well, you're grabbing shaving, so that's something that hopefully has great longevity. So with all your endeavors, um, so just yeah, people if you want to get involved here, like you said, it's kind of like joining a club. You know, we're being guided through the whole shaving process with you guys. Where, where do they go? What's the first port of, of uh, call here? So, so the best way to um, to, to get on uh, and find out more about us is just to visit our website, which is www.theshaveunion.co.za. Um, alternatively, if you're on Facebook all the time, just look up uh, uh, the Shave Union. Don't go, uh, to, yeah, it's it's the TSU. We often use the abbreviation, but the Shave Union on, on on Facebook, and go and check out the reviews. I think it's quite honest reviews there. You know, we're not all five stars. It's one one or two one stars, and and uh, but but at the end of the day, I think. Uh, you'll see quickly that the value is there and you can try it out we've got a great special running right now where it's more like you literally getting the product for free and you're just paying for the delivery part so it's uh, it's a great product and we'd love more and more members and people to talk about it so yeah well there you go stop using cuck razors you're going to hurt yourself take pride in your appearance this is what I was getting at with this I've been doing it I feel better I'm, I'm clean shaven I'm pretty good about that John thanks so much that is the Bounce Show for this week 
Oh, we've got so much good golf coming up. You know, it's the Masters pretty soon. Um, it's going to be such an amazingly contested Masters uh, this year. So many young guys firing. So many guys who have always been hopefuls. Now I have some majors under the belt. So I've got some great guests lined up and obviously got some great previews towards that. The Masters is one of the greatest sporting things in the world. It really is. Um, I've always been saying that. If there was one event I could go to, it would be the Masters right now. Uh, but yeah, I'll be giving more information about that. Otherwise, go on to thebounce.ca.za for the whole show plus all the kind of clips you know I'm always trying to find you great clips otherwise at follow the bounce on Twitter catch you back next week thanks for joining me cliffcentral.com